Hello everyone, welcome to Cinema's Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror-related sci-fi, fantasy, gems in the rough, and all that other good stuff. And today I'm going to just be talking about some uh, various recently watched movies uh, due to the fact that on the last Movie Freaks we did a we did an audio commentary on Hellraiser Hellworld from 2005 I believe. And so that was that was an hour and a half long running commentary and just to explain to any of you underbelly listeners out there if you're interested in in what we're doing over on Movie Freaks, we we all started the movie at the exact same time on the Dimension Films logo, and then all three of us hit play, and then we just did the running commentary the whole way through. And we talked a little bit about the movie, made some jokes, some of them are probably funny, some of them are probably not, uh, and had a good time. But in the process of that, uh, we got behind on our recently watched. And so today I just thought I would touch on a couple of couple of the more underbelly-esque recently watched on my list just so that I can uh, I can focus a little bit more on I don't want to say mainstream but just a little bit more all-encompassing movies on our next movie freaks because it is going to be a pretty big show uh, talking about all of our recently watched because we're pretty far behind so I thought I would get a couple of those off of my off of my list on this show, and the ones that I want to focus primarily on are the Children of the Corn parts one, two, and three, and those definitely fall a little bit more under the uh, underbelly banner, especially when you get into parts two and then uh, especially part three. Uh, so we'll see how long that takes to get through through the first three Children of the Corn movies, and the reason I'm focusing on the first three Children of the Corn movies is. Uh, 88 Films in the UK just released a gorgeous new box set of the first three remastered with some great special features and uh, just really good audio. And I have parts one, I've got almost all of the Children of the Corn movies on Blu-ray, but they're pretty much bare bones bargain bin releases. So it's nice that these first three were really given a, uh, a great release from uh, from the ever reliable 88 films in the UK. These are, uh, I will say this, these are Region B. So if you don't have a uh, Region B player or all code playing Blu-ray player, you might be out of luck. Uh, but those can be had if you do your research, and I highly advise you to do your research and get a Blu-ray player that plays any region. Uh, if you are a fan of all things cinema, you're going to want to import a lot of of a lot of movies, and I do. Uh, so anyway, uh, in fact, reviews coming uh, in April, if they show up at my doorstep, uh, I do have the Hellraiser Arrow Blu-ray 3-pack coming, and those are completely remastered. Part 3 has not been available on Blu-ray in the United States. I do have Parts 1 and 2 already from Anchor Bay and uh, Image Entertainment. Uh, the quality is... is passable at best, and these have been given a complete remaster, especially part one, uh, 4K remaster, and so I can't wait to get my hands on that and uh, and check out the picture quality and the special features and all that good stuff on that one. And then also, Burial Ground, Knights of Terror, 88 Films has remastered that one, and that one there I have watched 
countless times, and I watched, uh, uh, what is the label? I believe they're defunct at this point, but they released a, a Shriek show. They released a couple Blu-rays back in the earlier days of the format, and so I picked those up, and I've watched them numerous times, uh, uh, Zombie Holocaust, and, uh, and, and especially Burial Ground. But 88 Films has remastered that and given them some special features and all that good stuff. And then um, there was one other one that I had uh, pre-ordered as well. Um, and it, it, I, it escapes me right now. But regardless, uh, those are the biggies that I can't wait to get my hands on in April and give my glowing reviews on those coming soon. But... For now, let's focus on Children of the Corn. Oddly enough, I watched these completely out of sequence, which it doesn't really matter. I watched part two first, and then three, and then one. Now, I've watched part one the most, and um, part one for me, uh, and I'm not going to get into too much technical details about the filmmaking and uh, any of that stuff. I want to uh, primarily focus on my thoughts on the movie every time I watch it. Um, for some reason, Children of the Corn, and I know that there is a... A long lost, unrated version of that movie that exists somewhere on planet Earth, maybe, and it does have more violence and uh, bloodshed, which that is what this movie desperately, desperately needs. Every time I watch the movie, I, I, actually, how about this? Every time, right before I watch the movie, I'm like, all right, Children of the Corn, a classic 1980s horror movie. And then I watch it, and I'm like, ah, this is, needs to have more bite. Uh, especially when you're dealing with a movie about killer, religious, freak show kids. Um, this is ripe for, and I read, the, I read the, uh, the novel, well, not the novel, the short story from Stephen King in his Night Shift collection. And it's like, you're, uh, there's so much good stuff that can be done with this subject matter. And the, uh, the acting is good from... From Linda Hamilton and uh, Peter Horton, the kids do a pretty good job too. They're they're little creepy, weird Amish-looking kids uh, in this town that uh, is you know is deserted because all the parents have been killed. It just it it so needed more bite. It so needed more something to get it. I don't know, just to give it more evil sinisterness. Uh, it has its moments. I'm not denying that. It uh, has a couple of good set pieces. But it, uh, when it comes down to it, the movie is just one long chase of adults running around uh, a deserted Amish town. And that's pretty much what the movie is. Uh, so, anyway. It is what it is. It, more than likely, if you listen to this show, you've probably watched Children of the Corn. Um... And uh, so you have your own opinions on it. It is not the classic that a lot of other mid to early 80s horror movies are. Um, this Obviously, this got a theatrical release. It just I'm just disappointed every time I watch it. Don't, I don't hate the movie. I don't hate it. But um, it's not scary. Uh, it's dated. And it just there's a lot that doesn't work in the movie. Which leads me to Children of the Corn Part 2, The Final Sacrifice. And this came out in 1992, directed by David Price. Now, I saw this movie in the theater, and I was still in high school, and I remember my buddy Tim Rastetter and I, we drove up to uh, uh, the theater up here in Canton, Ohio, 
because it didn't get a huge theatrical release, but it did get a theatrical release. And I was, I'm proud to say that I saw this in the theater. And the version that I saw with this movie, this is the big, the big thing with me from this movie is there is a CGI scene where the uh, main villainous kid transforms from a awkward, socially awkward kid to this demonic, this, this demonic, demonic Amish kid. And uh, it's this CG, weird CGI thing. And I remember loving that scene. Now, I'm sure at this point it is horribly, horribly dated. But back in the day, it looked cool. And uh, this movie, for some reason, does not get uh, any uh, American releases. And so the only version that I've been able to watch from of this movie thus far on home video is the UK version. And for some completely odd reason, I have no idea why, they omit that one-minute CGI transformation scene. I don't get it. I am not sure why you would cut that out, even if it doesn't look that great. The rest of the movie is not... Oscar-winning high-end stuff. I don't know why you would take that scene out. And there was a couple other small character beats that are switched around in the opening music track, I guess, is a bit different. Um, that's that's neither here nor there. The main thing is that scene that is cut out, and I want to see that scene again, and it really upsets me that this Blu-ray release, while looking great, still omits that scene. Uh, now, there is a work print on on the Blu-ray, and I clicked on it, and it is less than VHS. It is like someone took a camcorder and and shot, uh, videoed onto VHS a VHS copy. Or it's awful, unwatchable. I'm not even sure why you would include that, uh, and no other special features. So I was disappointed in the lack of uh, special features for Children of the Corn Part Two because this is the best of the Children of the, of the Corn movies. Now, I actually am a fan of the most recent Children of the Corn movie, and uh, I did a discussion on that one in a long, long time ago on this on this show. I'm sure I talked about it at some point or another, but it's 75 minutes long, and it is actually quite an enjoyable little movie. I enjoyed the most recent Children of the Corn movie, and I wonder if that was done to continue to secure the rights from uh, Miramax or Dimension, whatever. If so, that's fine. I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good. In fact, I would dare say that that's probably my second favorite of the Children of the Corn uh, series is the most recent one. Children of the Corn... Uh, I don't know what it's called. Whatever. It's got some some side name. I don't know. Um, but Children of the Corn Part 2, is, it has relatively good acting. The effects are actually decent, uh, especially the, the bloodshed. There's a there's a nosebleed scene in a church that is great. It's so cool. And there's a, there is actually a, a creature in the end of this one versus the smoke monster from the end of part one. And that is cool. And it, I, I dig it. I just, I liked this story. It was fairly fast paced and it was well shot. And to me, and it honestly, this movie here, this feels a little bit more like an eighties movie than, um, than a 90s movie because this was in 1992 there is still some cgi even in this version there is some cgi but this still has a little bit of an 80s feel like an, a later 80s feel to it um the, this reporter and his son go to this town 
and the dad hooks up with some lady, and the son hooks up with some really good-looking chick as well, and then there's killer kids, and you know the story. It's it's humorous, it's never scary, but it's fun. I really like this movie, uh, and it's crazy that Children of the Corn uh, falls into other categories of the sequel is better than the original, like uh, Terminator and Alien and... <laughs> And Empire Strikes Back. And hey, guess what? Children of the Corn, part two. So anyway, give this one a shot. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, the uh, the 88 film's Blu-ray release is edited. And I don't like that at all. That bugs me. Anyway, um, moving on to Children of the Corn, part three. Urban Harvest from 1995. And now we are talking about major 90s feel. Uh, drastically, drastically different from the second one, and especially the first one. This was directed by James Hickox, and he has actually done some uh, some other movies that some of you may have heard of, like Blood Surf from 2000. Uh, my co-host on Movie Freaks would uh, like to have a few words with you if you're interested about Blood Surf. And um, actually, now that I'm looking, he hasn't done a whole lot of... of uh, award-winning stuff, but anyway, he did do this Children of the Corn movie, and now we're, we're getting into uh, a different setting. Let's change things up a little bit and have two Amish-looking kids. Uh, the youngest, obviously, is the, the bad guy, the bad one of the bunch, possessed by he who walks behind the rows, and he's got this Necronomicon-ish type book, and they go to the city, and it's the urban harvest because there's urban kids in this movie in the high school and everybody is cliche. Everybody looks ridiculous and uncomfortable and out of place and it's hilarious. Um, now, this movie is straight up, straight up bad. But uh, Screaming Mad George did the effects in the movie and that is where this movie does shine. It has some great practical effects. And while they, when I say great, I mean they look bad but they're really cool and they really, really go for it. This one here actually has a big corn monster in the end of the movie. And it looks like a, a poor version of what you see in the end of John Carpenter's The Thing. It's just this weird alien creature looking thing that is eating uh, little Barbie dolls. Because that's what uh, the, the people that it's eating uh, are. And some of the quick shots you can tell, it literally you can tell it is a doll that is being stuffed into a uh, foam latex creature, rubber creature, whatever. It's hilarious. But there are some really gruesome kills. And I do like the fact that in this movie, no one is safe. Um, you might think that, okay, okay, here's our main players. Here's our B players. What, you know, yada, yada, yada. Here's who's going to live. Here's who's going to die. Um, but what's cool is that anybody is a could be a victim in this movie. And I do like that. And when they I say victim, I mean they really go for it with the practical effects, and I do like that. But as far as well-made movie and uh, well-acted, this is tough, um, which is unfortunate because I, I do like the idea of killer kids. I really like probably the best one is Who Can Kill a Child. That's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, killer kid movie. I thought I think that that was such a well-done, creepy Italian movie. I wish that this would be on Blu-ray. Um, but for what it's worth, there are some good Children of the Corn movies. And this one here is watchable. It's just keep your expectations extremely low. 
Um, and I got to say, even parts four and five have their have their positives. Uh, and I I don't want to get in too much into those. Those were like late. 90s dimension and so they all have a late 90s dimension feel kind of the crow type feel going on with them and if you watch them you'd know what I mean like they all they're shot very similar they look very similar the actors dress very similar uh, and just this it was a certain time in horror movies and they all felt very very much the same this one here was getting there but it was right on the cusp of of what that series would become and like four or five, and I think even six, they all feel very, very much similar. This one here is the odd middle one that is in the transition to really, really cheesy. But at least this one has some cool practical effects. And uh, and the cover, I got to say, the cover is really awesome because it's an Amish-looking kid holding this big sickle and Children of the Corn Part 3 based on a story by Stephen King, which I'm sure he disowned after the first one. Um Anyway, that's the Children of the Corn uh, three-pack on Blu-ray from 88 Films, and it really, really, really was worth the uh, the funds to get that set because they do look great, and uh, this is a, a series that no matter how much I uh, hate on them from time to time, I come back to them and I watch them and I generally have a, a fun time with them, especially Part 2. Um, part 2 really is a cool movie, and it just it really bugs me that it's not available with the way that I would like to see it. So, oh well, you'll have that. Um, anyway, that's the Children of the Corn series. Um, there's some other stuff that uh, I could talk about. Um, I want to get off the check because I could totally get keep, keep going with the Children of the Corn movies, but I no, I'm not going to start diving into parts four and five. I haven't watched them in so long that I wouldn't have a good enough... Um, a good enough discussion of those movies. So I will talk briefly. Now I'm going to jump completely away from underbelly stuff for the rest of, uh, of the show. And I just wanted to hit on Spectre again, because I, I gave this movie a rewatch and I know that this is not underbelly, but I, I love the James Bond series so much that uh, I had to give Spectre another watch. I got it on Blu-ray and I haven't watched the movie it wasn't that long ago that I saw the movie. I saw it opening weekend in the theater. So I watched it again on Blu-ray, and I actually split it up two nights, and that's called The Life of a Father, trying to watch a long movie. It's not easy. So my wife and I split the movie up into two parts. We watched the first uh, hour and a half-ish, not quite. Basically, we were left about an hour left. There was an hour left in the movie, and that's... It was interesting watching it this time because the problems that I had with this movie in the theater, I have, again, watching it at home. And the whole way through the first night, I was like, man, this is a good movie. I, why, did I, why was I a little bit bummed out when the credits rolled on this? Well, here's why. We stopped the movie right when Bond and Bond girl get to the big desert uh, scene where Blofeld has his huge facility uh, where they're doing whatever throughout the, the world. That's where I stopped the movie, and that's where we picked up the next night. And that's where things, to me, go wrong. Not that it's not good, but it's just nonsensical. And things happen in that last 45 minutes to an hour that 
haven't happened, at least to me, haven't happened in the other James Bond movies. It feels much more like all of a sudden they're they're doing weird Roger Mori type things that especially with the, the villain giving Bond every reason in the book to escape and doing things that no cool good bad guy would do in the modern age of James Bond and that bugged me and it did not happen in the other Bond movies but it happened here um Bond gets back to MI6 headquarters and there's James Bond and an arrow and then go this way and go this way and it's like what how did how did this bad guy have time to do all this elaborate stuff and why would he do that he's giving Bond a chance and it it I know I know that I'm breaking down a James Bond movie but those types of things if they did happen in Casino Royale Quantum of Solace and Skyfall it it was definitely not near as prominent as it is in this movie in that last part I can even forgive the airplane scene in this movie, which I thought was really good. I, I was totally on board for all of the movie up until they get to the big compound. And then it was drilling into James Bond's head, giving him all the reasons in the world to escape and the watch bomb and the whole place. It's like, what? And then the end with the helicopter and Bond's little pea shooter on a boat shooting at a helicopter. But of course he hits it and it's like, Okay, now we're now we're definitely into uh, Pierce Brosnan territory here, and uh, next thing you know, Madonna's going to show up with a sword, and eh, eh. so and the song it doesn't really work. The theme song. I'm complaining about a movie that I I thoroughly did enjoy though, and I'll watch this countless countless times from now again and again and again because I do pretty much. All the Bonds. The only Bonds I really don't rewatch anymore are the Pierce Brosnan ones, save for maybe uh, GoldenEye. And um, yeah, that's it. Uh, even that one, eh, it was good. But um, anyway, so that was my rewatch of Spectre, but it looks great on Blu ray. I did notice this time watching it versus the theater that it had a much more processed video look to it than what I remember in the theater. And I think that these movies are just getting more and more uh, so clean looking with these 4K cameras because so so few movies are shot on film anymore that these movies are just crystal clear. And sometimes watching it at home, it lends itself to a more video feel where maybe your TV or your projector is not calibrated just right to make give it more of a film look. And so this one here, my wife even noticed it too. She's like, man, this looks like we're watching uh, a, high, a really, 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 really good high-def camera. And she was right. It did. So I actually had to go in and tweak some of my settings on the projector to get it to look, try to get it to look a little bit more film-like, which is odd because I'm actually cranking down uh, settings on a projector to make the picture look as good as it can. I'm actually dumbing it down to not make it look that good, which is odd, but that's the way movies are made now. So few movies are shot on 35mm or 16mm. Um, and I still am a big fan of that type of filmmaking. Uh, I have embraced 2K, 4K, HD, all that stuff. That's fine, but it's just interesting when you watch a movie like this to where it's like, wow, I'm watching, like, I feel like I'm behind the camera looking through the viewfinder, watching actors acting. That's what it kind of felt like. So, 
Anyway, just a random complete side note, but I still think Spectre is good, and it's not underbelly even a little bit, but I still, I don't want to really touch on that movie again on Movie Freaks, and I don't want to bring up Bond again, so I thought I'll just give my uh, my second viewing thoughts on Spectre on the show. So anyway, yeah, so there you go, Children of the Corn, parts one, two, and three, and Spectre. What a great, uh, odd meal that I'm giving my uh, underbelly fans today. But uh, anyway, so stay tuned for the next episode of Movie Freaks because there's going to be a ton of recently watched and we're probably, I don't want to say for sure, but we're probably going to go down some more of Jess Hicks's top 100 movies. So stay tuned for that. But we've got all sorts of fun, cool stuff heading your way on Movie Freaks and of course on Cinema Soft Underbelly. I love uh, being able to expound a little bit more on some of the movies that I love and hold dear and can talk a little bit longer about versus real quick short bursts on on our other show. So you can find uh, Movie Freaks on iTunes and please like us on Facebook as well as Cinema Soft Underbelly. You can find me on Facebook and iTunes and FeedBurner and all that good stuff. Every now and then I'll pop onto Twitter, but eh, I'm not a big Twitter person. But I'm on there. I, I exist on there. And uh, make sure to tune in to uh, Cinema Sidekicks. They're actually doing a Top 100 as well. And I'm already very fascinated by their choices and the reasons for their choices. And I, it's just it's always good to hear other, other fans of the cinema, what they love, what gets them all jazzed and uh, you know we're all different and so it's cool when you hear like someone you know hey I like I liked this movie this movie was number 98 I'm like what that's not even in my top 500 but it's cool to hear someone else really like a movie like that or oh wow that should be like in the top 10 um so anyway good job guys I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of your top 100 throughout the next uh x amount of months um, anyway, that's going to do it for my show today. I really appreciate you listening and keeping on listening as I ramble on about uh, my exploitation movies and my mainstream stuff as well. Um, anyway, thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Eugene Weaver. Thanks. Bye.